THN is brought to you by Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter. Ha-cha! Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. to welcome you to episode 537 of the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Book Podcast. Nerds, my name is Matt Bomb. Wow. And I'm the Internet's Joe Patrick. In this week's episode, we're reviewing a bunch of Wednesday, July 17th new comics with spotlight reviews on Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, number one, and yet another Vampirella, number one. I know, they keep coming. Right? It's like volume 80, at least. Yeah. After that, we'll review eight more of this week's comics while we show off our vampy swimsuits during the ludicrous speed round. Then it's down to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, but we're trying to pull off an astral heist of some SDCC exclusives. And we're talking about our must-read picks for next week. And finally, the current Mrs. Baum is back for another episode of Casey Explains It All. Is it Casey Explains It All or Casey's Crazy Corner? I can never remember. Casey Explains It All because we use the Colorosa soundtrack. Now. Gotcha. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where she's sipping on Moscato and resetting the origin of Marvel's first family. The Fantastic Four. It's all happening in this ever-loving episode. But first, we better talk about this week's Nerd News. Because they must have forgotten that the biggest comic convention in the United States is happening right now. <laughs> Literally right now. It has started, yes. DC Comics has announced a slew of new titles. Because why make announcements at the con, right? I mean, well, it also just so happens that they're not there, I don't think. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think DC has a presence. First up, writer Jeff Lemire will pen two new DC Black Label series this fall. Joker, Killer Smile with artist Andrea Sorrentino, and The Question, The Deaths of Vic Sage with artist Denny Cowan and Bill Simkevich. Do we care? Do we care about Black Label? I All I care about are the comics, man. I mean, I'm with you. I want to read a good story, but isn't there a little part of Joe Patrick that wishes that it counted? Isn't there a little part? You used to be continuity wonk, man. Well, sure, but I mean, I also like... You know, what ifs? I do too. Like, I'm fine with stories that are out of continuity if they're good stories. As long as the question shows his dick. Yeah. Nothing <laughs> nothing makes me happier than Superman year one being out of continuity. Let me tell you. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. <laughs> Killer Smile. Uh, these things were announced on io9. Joker Killer Smile will focus on Joker upending the life of an Arkham mental health professional, but not Harley Quinn. Instead, Joker's target will be a new character, Dr. Ben Arnell created by Lemire and Sorrentino for the series. Meanwhile, in The Question, The Deaths of Vic Sage, Lemire, Cowan, and Sienkiewicz will explore a version of the titular hero who dies and is reincarnated over and over in his home of Hub City. Like, what, the Eternal Kid? What's his name? Kid Eternity. Kid is who I was thinking of. Kid, the Eternal kid. kid, yeah. Yeah, the Eternal Kid. <laughs> Watch the fuck out. <laughs> great, great yeah. theme. Really catchy theme yeah, song. Yeah, yeah, it writes itself. Uh, Killer Smile is due out October 30th and will run for three issues, releasing every other month. And The Question, on November 20th, running for four monthly issues, uh, Killer Smile will join the approximately 800,000 new Joker projects in the works at DC. <laughs> it's true. Including a Year of the Villain tie-in co-written by, yes, him, 
John Carpenter. Yep. Here's, here's the thing. I love John Carpenter. I've gone on record, absolutely adore John Carpenter. Love his music, love his movies, even apologize for Ghosts of Mars, which was a piece of shit. <laughs> but Ice Cube was in it, and I love when that dude makes movies. Sure, yeah. <sighs> when these directors come in to write comics. Yeah. Typically. Yes. You know, and what I'm trying to think of right now is one success. And not one is coming to mind. I mean, maybe not movie director, but like to, new movie director. That's what I'm saying. Oh, uh, right. And I honestly, anything. I honestly can't think of another movie director that's written comics. Bob Gale. Oh, Bob Gale. Bob well, Gale. he's a screenwriter. He didn't, screenwriter. You're yeah, right. Um, but boy, Bob Gale writes bad comics. I'll expand to screenwriters. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean. So, like, TV writers do it. Brian K. Vaughn was a TV writer. Yeah, doesn't count. Uh, Come on. Uh, like, Damon Lindelof. I mean, like, came from TV to do this. Damon Lindelof, but his book took forever to come out. It uh -huh. was good, though. It was fine. Ultimate Hulk and Wolverine is great. It was fine. It's great. Fine. You're fine. Uh, sorry, that didn't, come off as as, fine. that didn't come off as insulting. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Look, man, we got, we got too much to talk about yeah, yeah, to yeah, dwell okay. on this, but yeah, I agree. I don't really care about John Carpenter. I love comments. John Carpenter. This does but not excite me. Uh, here's something that does excite me. John Constantine will return to his Vertigo-adjacent roots when he joins DC's Sandman Universe titles, first with a one-shot, then an ongoing Hellblazer series. On October 30th, the Sandman Universe presents Hellblazer number one by writer Cy Spurrier and artist Marcio Takara will induct the character into the Neil Gaiman curated group of titles, followed afterward by a John Constantine Hellblazer ongoing by Spurrier and artist Aaron Campbell. Aaron that's all Campbell. good and nice. And I, I like... Aaron Campbell's great. That's great. Cy Spurrier is great. We're sticking him in Sandman. Well, it's the closest thing to Vertigo we got. I guess. And it's mature readers, so I I'm suppose. step in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, like I like that better than the DCU. I mean, and he's in the Sandman world, like Swamp Thing and Sandman. They all existed I guess that's in true. the same space. I guess that's true. Picking up from a story element in the original 1990 Books of Magic, co-written by Gaiman, the, I'm not going to keep saying the Sandman Universe presents Hellblazer number one, <laughs> begins as John Constantine finds but himself, did. I did, did. <laughs> finds himself haggard, bloody, and dying in an epic magical war, a battle that will soon consume the world. As he lies there, the vision of a young Tim Hunter stands above him, the naive youth seeing firsthand what his destiny holds. Horrified, Hunter flees back into the past, and Constantine is left behind to die. The end. The end. <laughs> uh, Constantine's story continues years later as the warlock hears about a new young magician named Tim Hunter with the Hellblazer worrying that history will repeat itself. Fun. Yeah, you know what? Uh, Constantine is too good of a character to languish. Yes. In obscurity. Agreed. Uh, Agreed. And having him in the DC universe just kind of sucked. Yeah, it, it sucked. It just doesn't work. And I, like, I guess this doesn't mean that he's not also going to be in the DC universe. Like, Justice League Dark's still a thing. Is he in that, right? Yeah, he's still there. But well, I don't know. Maybe it's going away. Having him, having him back in the Vertigo family feels like a good move. It just feels like where this character belongs. Yes. And... I don't, I, there's nothing, I don't know. I'm not going to say that you can't tell good stories with John Constantine in the DC universe. I will say I haven't read them. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it, it's not even that they're good or bad. It's that they don't feel right. Right. Like John Constantine's world never felt like the same world that Superman lives in. Yeah. It just didn't. Right. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. Be separate places. Yeah. And I, I, I like that this is moving here. And if we don't get Vertigo, next best thing, fine. 
Yeah, I'm okay with it. Just make it good. That's all I ask. Please, yes. Just please make, make it, it good. good. The publisher is launching a series of prestige format one-shots called Tales from the Dark Multiverse, where classic events are reimagined as though they occurred on twisted alternate Earths. Nightfall by Scott Snyder, Kyle Higgins, and Javier Fernandez looks at a Gotham City 30 years after Bruce Wayne fails to take back the mantle of the bat from a crazed Azrael. The Death of Superman. Kind of love that. Yeah. <laughs> the Death of Superman by Jeff Loveness, Brad Walker, and Andrew Hennessy sees Lois Lane twisted by rage and grief over the Man of Steel's death, becoming the Eradicator. What? Yeah, taking revenge on those who let Superman die. Is she going to wear the blue blockers? She's going to get powers of some kind. to wear the blue blockers. I hope so. (laughs) I'm out. Without them, I'm out. (laughs) Taking revenge on those who let Superman die and the corrupt world he could never defeat. Uh, Future installments will include Infinite Crisis, Blackest Night, The Judas Contract, and more. This kind of sounds fun. TFTDM launches in October. Isn't this just Most of these books launch in October. Isn't this just Deceased? Isn't that what's going on there? No, that's not what's going on in Deceased. DC eased. Yeah, DC eased. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, on the one hand, I think the idea of the dark multiverse is just kind of it's stupid. It's silly. It's silly. And it's an excuse to sell more books and throw more books out there. If they're exceptional, great. Right. Yeah, yeah. Will they be? We'll see. But I mean, this is like, you know what this reminds me of? In the mid 90s, uh, the long running What If series at Marvel was like, guess what? The Watcher's dead. Yeah. No more Watcher. And now all of our what-ifs are scary. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. What, if the mu- what if the radiation mutated Peter Parker into some kind of spider monster? Right. Like, so this is what that sounds like to me. Totally. And you know what? I like a good what-if. I said yeah, earlier. I mean, like I said, if they're great, great. Call if, them Elseworlds, If they're cowards. not, we'll tell you to save your money. That's Don't right. worry. Rumors about Warren Ellis but reuniting yes, with- call them Elseworlds. Yeah, that's right. Rumors about Warren Ellis reuniting with Brian Hitch for a Batman project have been confirmed. The creators will launch a 12-issue series called The Batman's Grave. Scheduled to debut October 9th, The Batman's Grave will will be about life, death, and the questions most are too afraid to ask. Whoa. Sounds sexy. Yeah, I'm in. 100% in. The Metal Men are returning. In a new 12-issue maxi-series fueled by Nth Metal. You love the Metal Men, don't you? I do love the Metal Men. Uh, And guess who... Also loves the Metal Men, series writer Dan DiDio. Uh, <laughs> I know. DiDio is writing a story with artist Shane Davis that will tie the characters in with Nth Metal, which was recently retconned into their origin in the Dark Knight's Metal event. You know who else I don't love? Shane Davis. Uh, he's okay. He's fine. They bill him like he's this amazing talent. He is fine. Okay. He's fine. All right. Jeez. I'm not saying he's untalented. I'm he's just, up. Well, Look, hey, no. Shane Davis, fuck you, pal. <laughs> Scheduled to the title of this episode. <laughs> no. Hey, Shane Davis, fuck you. <laughs> no, it is not. Scheduled day debut October 16th. Metal Man will begin when the heroes find a warehouse of dilapidated previous versions of themselves. That's fun. Okay. Apparently cast aside by Doc Magnus. Uh, and then something, something, Nth Metal appears at Challenger's Mountain, which yeah. happened in Metal, I think. I don't care. They had me at Metal Men, and they, they lost, lost me at, me at Dan DiDio. Yeah. Yep. The yep. dude doesn't write good comics. Stop no, it, Dan. No. You've been doing a great job of whatever you're doing where I don't have to see you or hear from you. Like, you've been kicking ass at that. But, like, when you come back, great I job get not, mad again. Great job not being around. Yeah, that's all I ask. Just do whatever you're doing quietly, you know? Finally. In like merciful. children, you yes. know? Seen and not heard. <laughs> 
Finally and mercifully, DC will launch a new Birds of Prey ongoing series this October from writer Brian Azzarello. Perfect. And artists <laughs> Emanuela Lupacino, Ray McCarthy, and Trish Mulville. Okay, he's not the first name that I would think of when I think of Birds of Prey, but... He's not the first writer I would think of when I think all-female team of heroes. Well, I mean, even that aside, a name like Brian Azzarello... Tells me they're taking it seriously. And uh, yeah, I mean, at least he's a name. Yeah. And really, the the long running rumor uh, for the length of Heroes in Crisis was that they were relaunching Suicide Squad right. with Azarello, right. with Wally as the star. Which, uh, no. I mean, like, I'll take Suicide Squad by Brian Azarello. You know what? I would, I would take Brian Azarello Suicide Squad over this. I, and I love the bird spray. I would too. You know what? I'm with you. I would too. Uh, I don't want Wally in there. No, guy. no, I don't I'm want Wally in there. No, no, no. Jesus Christ. The series Just fucking kill him at this point. Kill him. <laughs> the okay. series Scott Lobdell is gonna totally redeem him. Uh huh. Yeah. Can't wait. The series brings together Black Canary, Huntress, and Harley Quinn, but not Batgirl, not Barbara Gordon. Hmm. Well, she's busy, I guess. For our new iteration of the blah blah blah, the story kicks off with Black Canary's life in shambles, but everything changes when an old flame and a new enemy, a gang named La Esposas de la Muerte, who's like the wives of the dead. I guess. Yeah. Or the spouses, the spouses of the, of the dead. dead. Yeah. Come crashing into our life. is like female. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's definitely yeah. the feminine form of that. Yeah. No. Uh, Huntress will become involved at the urging of Renee Montoya. Yay. Hey. Who will serve a supporting role in the story. Fun. While Harley Quinn joins the team after returning to Gotham following a stint with the Suicide Squad. Oh, boo. <laughs> uh, I, oh, yuck. I'm not, I don't, I'm not, I don't care. I don't care. I don't, I don't care about this. I don't care either. Yeah. I like, I love the Birds of Prey. But let's let's get the I gang back. I there. haven't loved the Birds of Prey since they rebooted. Yeah, and, and those books may have been fine, but it was so far off from what I loved about Birds of Prey, yes. which was Babs in the chair, coordinating squads. Let me ask you this: Did anyone care? Does anyone certainly, care about Birds of Prey without that aspect of it? The certainly, there were gang. people that were new to the book that liked it. And but, I'm not even saying like put Babs back in the chair. She can see action, but I would like to see Babs running the team. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think it's odd that she's not involved. Let her be like the Batman of that team. She's a right. smart one. She can do the computer shit. She sets him up. She tells Huntress, go do this. She tells Black Canary, go do this, whatever. And we whoop ass. Yeah. You know? I would really like that. I would too. Uh, I mean, they, they showed preview art. I think Emanuela Lupacino is very talented. Uh, the book will look great. Um, she's a badass. I really hate Black Canary's current costume. It sucks. <laughs> I hate it. It's dumb. It's like a blue swimsuit top. Yeah. And jean shorts. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and it's just like, come look, on. Nothing wrong with a leather jacket and the fishnets and boots. Right. I mean, fine yeah. with it. Fine it's with classic. it. It's classic. It's classic. It's iconic. I even like. They even like updated it. I a liked bit. the updated version yes. where she had, yeah, the, during like the Simone run, the game right. Simone run. I liked that version. Yeah, I would her. argue it makes more sense than what she's wearing now. Yeah. Now she just looks like some chick at a bar, biker bar. Now she looks like whatever. she's a member of the Iconics, the tag team that's at WWE now. <laughs> all right, well. Female can, tag team. You can Google that. They're Australian. They suck. Uh, They're it, the worst. So DC's announced all these projects. Um, I think we said we were excited about maybe... Two, one and a half of two them. Two or three of them? I'm going to say one, one and or, a half. One or two of them. Constantine, the question book will be great. Hopefully. We'll see. Jeff Lemire. I Look, I, I know. I, I love Jeff Lemire. I just... Part of me just wants the question to be the question in the goddamn DCU. He is. He is. He's. Yes. He's back, baby. I, I like it. I don't like it. Event Leviathan. He's, a, he's in Action Comics. He's in Event Leviathan. It's been great. He's going to be in Lois Lane. 
It's a it's the question renaissance. The quest the questionance. <laughs> That didn't work. Yeah, that's gross. That sounds gross. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Sorry for your pugs in the background. It was 100 degrees outside and I refused to kill my dog. Yeah, pugs so, in the ziggurat. It's too hot. Deal with it. Switching gears from the Fantastic Four desk. Joe Patrick, you loved X-Men Grand Design. I sure did. Now it is time for Fantastic Four Grand Design. The history of the Fantastic Four will be retold, like I said, a la X-Men Grand Design in a new two- Issue series. Wow, both of them, huh? Two well, issues? Well, but that's how Grand Design was. No. It was told in two issue chunks. Yes, it was. Yeah, but there was several of them. Well, this is the first. Okay, I hope so. I hope there's more. But yeah, Grand Design was three like three or four volumes of two issue chunks. No, okay, that's true. Chunks. This was first reported by comicbook.com. Uh, Fantastic Four Grand Design is going to be written and drawn by an artist we love, Tom Scioli, the guy is so stupid, mm-hmm. talented, and it will see the outspoken Jack Kirby fan take on the family's entire mythos and boil it down into one singular narrative. <laughs> I think he can. I think by the second issue, he can get all the way up to the part where they get sucked into the multiverse and Secret Wars. Yeah, why not? Twenty sixteen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fuck it, man. <laughs> This is due out in October. Here's your solicitation. Because you demanded it! The best-selling Grand Design franchise continues with Marvel's first family, brought to you by critically acclaimed cartoonist Tom Scioli in the sole authorship tradition made famous by Ed Pisker's X-Men Grand Design trilogy. I don't know why trilogy (laughs) isn't yelled. Join the Watcher and witness how it all began, plus appearances by the biggest names in Marvel history. I'm a sucker for the Watcher. Black Panther, Namor, Galactus, Mole Man, if this was just Tom Scioli's going to draw these characters and there's no word balloons, I sure. would still yeah, be Tom excited. Tom Scioli's <laughs> FF fun page. Yeah, I would still be totally down. He's perfect for this. I love, I hope Marvel just continues this. Just go nuts. Yeah. Grab these weirdo creators. Yeah, yeah, like Jim Rugg. Yeah. Jim Rugg's in that crowd. Yeah. Give, give, him, give him like Spider-Man grand design. Totally. Grab Michael Fifa and let him do the Avengers. Oh, shit, dude. You know, like, shit, that would be amazing, you know? Totally. And and let's just continue it. It's fun. It it's this like ridiculous history. And I hope that the, he does what Piscor did, where like he's like, fuck it, man. I'm incorporating video game stuff, cartoon stuff. I'm grabbing <laughs> it all and I'm crushing it in here. Yeah. That X-Men Grand Design is wonderful. I Absolutely wonderful. 100 percent agree. Couldn't be more excited for this. Totally. The biggest news this week is the surprise announcement that Thor Ragnarok director Taika Waititi will return to write and direct a fourth Thor film instead of directing Warner Brothers Akira. Good. This news. Because you know what Akira doesn't need? Yeah, you said that last week. A sense of humor. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Akira is soul crushing. It's supposed to. Oh, no, we were talking about Flash Gordon. You didn't want a live action remake of Flash Gordon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm fine with this cartoon version. I'm into that. Uh, this news came from The Hollywood Reporter. This would be the first report of a fourth Thor film entering development. However, Thor actor Chris Hemsworth and Valkyrie actor Tessa Thompson have each mentioned speaking with Waititi about the potential for such oh, a sequel. Oh, yeah. I mean, Hemsworth gushed all over the place. It was just like, if Waititi does it, I'm in. I'll do it. I don't care. Yeah, like, <laughs> Hemsworth went on this kind of weird trajectory where he's like, yeah, you know what? My, my contract's for this many movies, and it'll be over, and that'll be fine. And then by the end, he was like, I want to play Thor forever. Well, then he made Thor 3. Yeah. And we just like. I want to play Thor forever. This is what we're doing with Thor. I'm in. Like, it reinvigorated his love of playing that character. But he wants to be funny. 
Yeah, and he is funny. And he is. He's a yeah. genuinely funny guy. Yeah. And I think when he got a chance to loosen up, because Thor 1 and 2, like, he had some quips here and there. Sure. sure. But it's very stoic. But it was, yeah. yeah. And I think when they let him cut loose and were like, we're just going to get wacky here, man. He had and too much fun. That's how it needs to be. Like, Thor Thor works in comics because it's comics, right? Right. You can get the Shakespearean bullshit Thor. Yeah. And I'm fine with that. And be totally, like, into it. Yeah, I don't need wackadoo Thor in my comics. But on screen, it's kind of... It would just... Uh, it's a lot. It wouldn't work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If we went and got Nicholas Rendig Vrenwig or whatever his name is <laughs> to direct the next Thor... <laughs> Nicholas Winding uh, Yeah, 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 him. I it, I wouldn't even want to watch it. It just... What like, did you say his name was? Fendig Rendrig <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Thor 4 would also make Thor the first solo hero Marvel Studios franchise to reach four films. Did you think that that's how it would shake out when Thor 2 came out? Well, okay, it makes sense because if you think about it, if okay, now we have to get a little meta here because we fired James Gunn, right? So Guardians of the Galaxy was up in the air. Yeah. In the end of Endgame, Thor gets on the ship with the Guardians, goes into outer space. Right. This is the perfect way to set up the next Guardians of the Galaxy film. Well, I mean, considering he- it was announced first, I don't know if Oh, well, they're not making that until Suicide Squad 2 no, dude. is out. Yeah, he's got to put out a whole other movie. So this is your chance to do mm. Thor in space with the Guardians, set up a story for the Guardians to have another movie. Thor better fucking be there, too. I'm fine with it. <laughs> you know? I mean, actually, I think this would be a way to have your cake and eat it, too, by having a Thor space adventure with the Guardians. Yes. And then letting the Guardians shine in their own movie, not overshadowed yes. by Thor, I want when Guardians 3 comes out. Hulk there. I loved Buddy Thor and Hulk, but I want to see Smart Hulk there with Thor. That would be a riot. It would be. Oh, my God. (laughs) Did you hear that nonsense? This is old news, but like when Endgame came out and people were writing all their think pieces, like, what does it all mean? What does it mean? Multiverse? What? What? Uh, Somebody asked uh, the Russo brothers about the Hulk's injuries because he uses the Infinity Infinity Iron Man gauntlet. Right. And brings back everybody, uh, but it messes them up real bad. Yeah. Uh, and he doesn't heal from it right away. Sure. And the Roosters are like, oh, yeah, he's permanently hurt. <laughs> like, they give a liars. shit. They are liars. Like, the Russos will have anything to do with what happens next with the Hulk. No, nothing. Yeah, and the Russos, like, as far as they yeah, not only that, but he's, but he's gay and he's yes. black. They're like, oh, yeah, he got AIDS. He got, like, full-blown AIDS space when he AIDS. did it. He yeah. got full-blown oh, space AIDS. <laughs> Boy, I hope you guys aren't fond of the Hulk. Yikes. No, we, we cannot trust the Russos. Yeah, no. We know that. Like, don't... And that is my favorite thing about the yes, Russos. Yes, absolutely like, right. Not only can we not trust them, they don't give a shit what you think. <laughs> that, said, that said, though, the next time Hulk comes back, he better have both working arms. <laughs> He'll be fine. All right, good. YTD's work on Thor 4 will reportedly delay production on Warner Brothers' live-action adaptation of Katsuhiro Otomo's manga Akira. Don't care. Don't want it. Yeah. Uh, which he has been working on for some time. It was originally planned to come out in May of 2021. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter says Akira will go on hold indefinitely. Good. <laughs> to accommodate YTD's Thor schedule. Good. And uh, Warner Brothers is like, fingers crossed, hopefully we'll get to work with him. And I think that YTD is, is, like, in the spotlight so much that Warner Brothers is just like, well, okay. <laughs> well, they have, I mean, come on. All right. There's a paycheck me, here that they're, like, obviously, <laughs> they're not going to be able to be like, oh, yeah, well, we'll pay you oh, twice you as much for 
the live action Akira that literally no one wants. You want to go play at the neighbor's house so instead of mine? Okay, fine. Totally. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm totally pumped. Thor Ragnarok was amazing. It was incredible. I'm, I'm so excited and for more of this. And this will be fun as hell. And the Guardians are absolutely going to be there. There's no question. This is the perfect way to get them all there. It doesn't matter anymore. Marvel has blown that whole, like, oh, well, this is a single film with just this character doing this. No, they've blown that out of the water. Yeah, right. Now, every film can have whoever the fuck they want in it. They know they're going to make money. They can bring everybody right. in. Like, they spent 20 movies establishing the idea right. that, like, you might see so-and-so swinging by in sure. the background of a Captain America movie or whatever. Yeah. And, yeah, now it's just like, well, okay, yes. Iron Man's in Spider-Man. Who, fu- who fucking cares? Right. I don't even care what they do with it. I'm in. That is your nerd news for the week, but I'm sure we missed plenty of other stories while demanding our love slaves defend our anti-furry tweets. They're your anti-furry they tweets. They are not racist. Your anti-furry okay? tweets. A furry is a pervert. That is not a race. All right? So hit us up on the THN forums, big news section, or better yet, Tune in to Cover to Cover Live, returning this Saturday, where we broadcast on our Facebook page from 11.30 to 12.30 Central Standard Time. It's like AM talk radio, but it's for nerds, and you don't have to worry about any white nationalism. So call usually, us usually. at 402-819-4894, or click the Call Now button on our Facebook page. If you cannot be there live, that is okay. Leave us a message, or send us an MP3 nerd at gmail.com and if you're too scared to call or leave a message get on the faces book chat with us oh yeah yeah no pressure we'll read your chats we'll make fun of you for being a coward but we will read your chats It's spotlight review time in the ziggurat where the dog days of summer have us hiding in our cold cave and reviewing two of this week's hottest comics Matt Pass me the cocoa, and why are we drinking cocoa in because this heat? it's so cold in the cave. Oh, we're freezing. Get us started, will you? This week, I'm reviewing Vampirella, number one, from Dynamite. Stay with me. There's a reason why. It is written by Christopher Priest. With is is art. that the reason? <laughs> that is the reason. With art by Ergun Gunduz. Oh, boy. 32 Certainly pages. Definitely pronounce that correctly. I think so, because there's umlauts over both you. So I think it's Gunduz. But there are three U's. No, there isn't. There's one U in his first name and two U's in the second name. Yeah, but there name. wasn't one in the first oh. one. Oh. Ergun. Ergun. Gundus. Yeah, there you go. All right. If I'm wrong, come find me, Ergun. Let's fight about it. 32 pages for $3.99. I'm about to say some really nice things about you, so I don't think you want to fight. Here's your solicit. In July 1969, the world was first introduced to Vampirella. 50 years later, she doesn't look a day older now to celebrate her gold anniversary. Dynamite is launching a brand new ongoing series featuring the talents of Christopher Pr- I already read that shit. And European star, American star in the- What? European slash American star. No, European star slash American star in the making. Oh. Oh, okay. He's a star in Europe. And there is an umlaut over the U and Urgun. Oh, Urgun. Urgun. Okay, I was wrong. Who also worked on Tales of the Great War and Taxi Tales. I don't know any of those. A lot of tales. But this is his first non-Tales book. So, there you go. You'll experience the first mysterious taste of things to come in Vampirella. Free comic book day, zero. And the story continues here. So, there was a zero issue. Um, I read it. I actually liked it. 
Christopher Priest. Here's her suggested soundtrack. It is Echoes from Dawn by a band called Christine. And I'll have a link to it. And you can, when you go to see our written review, you can follow that link and listen to their super creepy synthy stuff. It's great. Vampirella is a much beloved staple and probably the first comic book bad girl, right? Yeah. With a long, pulpy, cheesecake horror history that I appreciate, but frankly, I never really gave a crap about. Scantily clad bad girls were just never really my thing, but when I heard that one of my favorite writers from the 90s, who just happens to be having a career renaissance, was taking over Vampy, I had to give it a read. A Vampirella, a Vampirellaissance. Huh? You're fired. Come on. The story opens with four pages two of for two. gory, death, and destruction beautifully drawn by Gunduz, who on the surface looks to have a very sharp line avatar house style, but he is much more than that. We find Vampirilla in the wreckage of a plane crash in her signature one-piece collared swimsuit and stiletto boot in a scene that would be ridiculous anywhere else, but Gunduz seems to give it real weight. Priest's story resets Vampy's origin. She's an alien that looks and acts like a vampire, and her people probably inspired our own vampire mythology. That's her origin. But she's... Fu- yeah, I'm just saying he resets it. Oh, origin. resets it. I thought yeah. you meant it like reboot. No, resets. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But she's fighting evil on her adopted planet. We get a flashback of Vampy fighting a cursed Prussian general that won immortality in a card game with the devil, but is stuck in a decaying body. Uh, side note. Don't play cards with the devil. Aboard the plane, <laughs> aboard the plane that crashed in the first scene, causing all the death and destruction. This is during Vampy's therapy session with the no BS have an NTSB trauma counselor named Shari. Rhymes with sorry. Rhymes that with sorry. Does not believe a word of her story. Priest manages to inject very intelligent and poignant humor into the story with lines from the therapist like, hey, I get it. Vampires are the new Negroes. <laughs> Even the end of the story had a... What does that mean? Well, she was saying, like, people look down upon us because they think we're all evil and nasty and stuff. But are vampires, like, a class of people on Earth in this world? No, but she. everyone thinks she is a vampire. She is not a vampire. And the doctor's like... Walks like a vampire, talks like a vampire. You might be a vampire. (laughs) Even the end of the story had a great last page that left me wondering where it's going. It just goes to show that when you give a talented creative team a little freedom, they can tell a compelling story with just about any character. This new Vampirella updates the character, doesn't shy away from her beauty without objectifying her, Eh. and injects real humanity and intelligence into comics' original bad girl. I'm giving it. I'll buy it. There's some butt cheeks up in there. Come on now. She's always had the butt cheeks. That's her costume. Uh-huh, right. It's what she wears. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I knew that the story would be fine. I love Christopher Priest. Mm-hmm. And I did enjoy it on that level. Um, the art, at first, I thought started out really strong. It, uh, like, I really liked the scene, the scenes at the beginning that showed the destruction. And then there was the girl on the bike. Yeah. Like that, I thought that was all breathtaking. That was great. Um, but the more it went along, the more it kind of started to lose it a little for me. See, I disagree. Like it, it got into it got into like Invincible Iron Man circa two thousand and nine Salvador La Roca tracing characters from Lost. It, it like I didn't see. Yeah, it, not that they were celebrities necessarily, but I was just like, man, this this looks so much like a person that it doesn't look like a person. I don't know if that makes any sense at all. <laughs> that but doesn't make like, any sense. Yeah, I don't know. I 
I thought he was really good. I'm giving it a very strong skim it because I don't give shit about Vampirella. I don't either. But um, I liked the story. The art is he's clearly very talented. I just I thought there were some missteps in the art. Man, I don't know. Just the fact that I enjoyed it as much as I did, I had to give it a buy it. And it is, cer- I expected it is certainly nothing. I mean, while there is going to be a little bit of like cheesecakey stuff here and there, like she's on a plane fighting a Nazi, whatever he is. He a pre, was he a Nazi? Prussian. 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 Uh, fighting this this undead zombie guy in a mini skirt and a tank top. He's trapped in a decaying body. Okay, gotcha. Uh, he's immortal. Oh, I'll tell you. Here's the thing. Here's something about the art that bugged me. As she's falling from the plane. She takes off her clothes yeah. to reveal her Vampirella costume is on underneath. Right. Fine. Except during the fight, yes. we see so much of her skin as her tank top lifts up and her skirt shifts. Well, she's wearing like a midriff thing. Yeah. Like you, and can't, you can't see, see the, the costume. Su- the suit. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. It's like, that's an error. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, whatever. But yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm sticking to my gun. I'm sticking to my guns. The art, it just wasn't my cup of tea. That's fine. I, it was good. I had problems with it. I thought he was really good. Well, all right. Joe Patrick, I'm tired of talking about Superman. Can we please talk about his pal, Jimmy Olsen? Absolutely. <laughs> this week, I'm reviewing Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, number one of 12 from DC Comics, written by Matt Fraction, with art by Steve Lieber. It's 32 pages for $3.99. Here's your solicit. Jimmy Olsen must die. Wait, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Jimmy Olsen lives. Superman's best friend and Daily Planet photographer Jimmy Olsen tours the bizarre underbelly of the DC Universe in this new miniseries featuring death, destruction, giant turtles, and more. It's a centuries-spanning whirlwind of weird that starts in Metropolis and ends in Gotham, and then we kill Jimmy. Death threats, almost losing his job, turning into a giant turtle monster and accidentally destroying a beloved public monument. Shit happens. It's just a regular day (laughs) in the life for Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen. Writer Matt Fraction revels in the inherent goofiness of Jimmy Olsen and ramps it up to 11. He introduces an amazing explanation as to why the Daily Planet would keep a menace like Jimmy around. And it's so brilliant that I can't believe no one thought of it before now. It's so great. (laughs) The script is a riot with something new that got me laughing on every page. Every scene starts with a tongue-in-cheek Silver Age-style intro like... Jimmy Olsen's great great grand something, Joaquin Olsen was, in. Wasn't it Jedediah Olsen? No, it's Joaquin. Oh, that's right. right. Well, today. <laughs> it's the falls that'll kill you. <laughs> and Superman's problem, Jimmy Olsen in The Pal Who Fell to Earth. <laughs> it got me every single time it happened. Even small bits of dialogue that mean nothing to the plot, like the correct pluralization of Natty Ice, are pure gold. <laughs> When things get bad enough that Jimmy has to blow town, he finds himself in the dangerously unfamiliar territory of Gotham City, about to get horribly moitered. Steve Lieber and colorist Nathan Fairbairn are the perfect art team for a book like this. Lieber's got great comedic instincts honed by his time on books like Superior Foes of Spider-Man, and he is just as capable of delivering exciting action sequences as he is hilarious facial expressions. Clark Kent's classic fourth wall breaking wink is one of the issue's most perfect moments. <laughs> Fairbairn's colors are beautiful. The shifts in color that add depth and shading or show like changes in skin tone, you know, like somebody's flushed or whatever, they're so subtle, it makes the palette look almost flat at first glance, but 
It's just, he's just that good. Yeah. Like, some colorists are like, it's flesh tone, and then it's red. Right. It's like, okay, I get it. It not only lets Lieber's art take center stage, it elevates it. I've been dying to read this comic since the moment it was announced, and I'm so pleased to say that Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen delivers on every level. Huge buy it. Yeah, this is just Matt Fraction demonstrating that he not only understands comics on a level that very few writers do, but he can dive into that, make fun of it yeah, on a meta level that you can't help but appreciate and laugh at. But you also know that he loves it. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. At the same time, yeah. he's not poking fun. He's not teasing he's having fun. comics. He's, he's laughing having with. fun with comics. L- laughing with, not at. Yeah, this is masterful shit. This is going to be on a lot of best of lists. Yeah. So probably be on some Eisner lists. Yes. This yes. was wonderful. It gets a massive buy it. Honestly, I wish I enjoyed the Lois Lane book as much as I enjoyed this. The Lois Lane book was great. I liked it. But this was like a joy. This was next level kick ass. Yeah. And I don't, maybe I just missed Matt Fraction. I, that could be. Maybe. I love the way that I, guy writes comics. Yeah. But goddamn, this was great. Yes. Huge buy. Yeah. So that is a buy it and a skim it for Vampirella number one in a nice way. And a huge double buy it for Soup's pal Jimmy O number one. We'll post our written reviews over at twoeditnerd.com so the creators can try to backtrace our IP address in an attempt to find and kill us. Come get us. I dare you. <laughs> but we need to know what you nerds thought of these comics, too, so call this weekend on THN. Cover to cover, Matt swears it's happening. It's all happening. The dog days of summer are here. And man, are we starting to feel the heat. Yuck. What a perfect day to pull on our Vampirella one-piece swimsuits and head to the beautiful Omaha Riverfront. This is making me very uncomfortable. We can watch the garbage flow by in the stinky calf shit brown water while we review eight more. Of this Wednesday's new comics. During your ludicrous speed round! Somehow the calf shit comment was the least <laughs> offensive part of that whole thing. Ludicrous speed! Go! The Orville number one from Dark Horse. Seth MacFarlane's tongue-in-cheek Star Trek homage comes to comics, and fans of the Fox show will certainly recognize a tone in humor. David Cabeza, that's Spanish for head, isn't doing anything amazing on art, but he's solid here and pulls it off without too much photo referencing of the actors. I just don't think quippy comedy like this translates to comics very well. Which is weird because I thought, like, this this sounded just like the show. It, it did. sounded just like the show. It did. But delivered from a static page. It doesn't work. It's different. Yeah, the magic just isn't there. The show is Rick wonderful. And Morty. I, I said the same thing about Rick and Morty. Same exact thing. The show is wonderful. Don't get me wrong, but I can't see anyone but the extremely hardcore fans getting too excited for the comic adaptation. I'm giving it a skim it. Age of X-Men Omega colon finally from Marvel. (laughs) It's finally over. Last week, no joke. I plowed through nearly two dozen tie-in issues to prepare for this finale in two days. Really? Yes, I did. Okay. And I really liked it overall. This issue, however, is just 
boring. It's mostly characters just standing around and repeating things for the benefit of the next group of characters that shows up. I remember. You remember? I remember. Remember? <laughs> you can't kill X-Man, Bishop? You'll destroy the world. Now tell Honey Badger that you can't kill X-Man without destroying the world. <laughs> it just felt so padded out, especially after reading five months worth of tie-ins. I will give props to Simone Buonfantino for some decent art. And a kick-ass last name. Yeah. Uh, I think it's just Simone. Sure. Age of X-Men Omega only gets a skimmit, and that's because, hey, you've come this far already. Yeah, you've I mean, come really. all this way. And poor Age of X-Men, like the Jonathan Hickman announcement came out, and everybody was like, well, fuck my X-Books. <laughs> Uncanny X-Men, same thing in Uncanny X-Men. Uh, Matthew Rosenberg has been murdering beloved X-Characters left and right, Why and not? nobody gives a shit. Why not? He's <laughs> like, oh, yeah? Well, this one, I forced Nightcrawler into the blender. Nobody goes, okay. <laughs> okay, I don't care. Resonant number one from Vault. David Andrew writes a compelling and mysterious post-apocalyptic story about a father of three who is set out on the road to find medication for his son's survival. The art and color by Alejandro Aragon is fantastic using zipper-tone effects and hard, thick blacks to create an eerie mood and tension. Don't be racist. He has a... <laughs> oh, I've got a lot of hard, thick black friends. I can't be racist. <laughs> he has a great animated style that makes movement jump off the page. The story is tense and drops you straight into the world, but it does so without any explanation of what the waves, that's in quotes, that destroyed society actually were. While the last page didn't reveal anything, I gotta say I'm on board to find out what the hell happened to the Resonant World. I'm giving this a buy it. X-Force number 10 from Marvel. Hey, did you guys know that Marvel has been publishing an X-Force title this whole time? I did not. Me neither. <laughs> this picks up immediately following the events of Extermination with the OG X-Force squad. I'm talking Warpath, Cannonball, really? Boom Boom, Domino, oh, Shatterstar. Isn't Warpath dead? No. Or no, no, no. Warpath's not dead. No, Warpath, War, yeah. Warpath is not dead. Yeah. Uh, and they are tracking down Kid Cable and his partner in crime, Deathlock. God, I forgot that was a thing. I know. I binged the whole series this week, and I really loved it. Ed Brisson's story is a wild ride involving time travel, clones, mind control, destiny, and even young love. Dylan Burnett, who I love, has an odd, super exaggerated, ink-heavy art style that I thought he's was good. a weird fit for this book. No, but he's he's good. It really grew on me over yeah. time. Issue 10, it's a nice wrap-up for the series and its overarching storyline. If you missed this X-Force series, I recommend it. Check it out. I'm giving it a buy it. But if you uh, didn't, then uh, don't worry, because uh, I mean, John Hickman is about to drop an atom bomb. It's <laughs> 10 issues and done. It's two arcs. that are, It's really one long arc. It's great. Fair enough. Blade Runner 2019, number one from Titan. Sure, it takes place this year, but Ridley Scott's original Blade Runner had a much more optimistic view of our tech advancements in 2019. The feel yeah, is... Yeah, robot slaves. <laughs> the feel is here, though. I can't wait to have sex with them personally. And the art is definitely here. Fans of Blade Runner will feel very much at home. Andres Guinaldo's art pays homage to his manga heroes and the original art direction of the legendary film very well. This is in-continuity Blade Runner storytelling for the first time. It was really great. I'm giving it a buy it. Awesome. Loki, number one from Marvel. Attention, Clayton Cowles. That pseudo-Asgardian script you chose for the recap and for the final page is almost impossible to read at that size. 
Knock it off! No, oh, it's just like tiny little print. It's so small, and it's like such stylized lettering. It's like it made my eyes hurt. Otherwise, Loki number one was a blast. <laughs> comedy writer Daniel Kibblesmith picks up the God of Mischief's story, and it's not fair to call him a comedy writer because he's written a ton of comics too. It picks up the God of Mischief's story directly from the end of War of the Realms. Loki finds himself the new ruler of Jotunheim, and he is bored out of his mind. Oscar Bazaluda's art is terrific, and I'm always pleased when the armadillo shows up. Great fun. Loki number one gets a buy it. The quiet kind. One shot from Dark Horse. Chuck Brown shows up with help from artist Jeremy Treese. Chuck Brown also wrote Bitter Root to give us The Quiet Kind, the story of some disenfranchised youth who are suddenly given massive powers to use their rage against the things they hate about society. Sounds like a great plan. They learn that maybe they're not as morally pure as they thought they might be. The art is wonderful. Yeah, the great. story is fucking fantastic here. I just hope there's more. I don't know why this is a one-shot. I got it in my head that there was more coming. I sincerely hope there is. test those waters, baby. I am giving The Quiet Kind a massive bias. It was great. Like, Chuck Brown co-writes Bitterroot with uh, David Walker? I think, yeah, we agreed it was David Walker. Or Brian Hill. One of those. I think it's it's David Walker. It's It's David Walker. Yeah. And David Walker is an established comic writer. Right. And so I just, I kind of, in my head, I kind of downplay Chuck Brown's contribution because I know David Walker. I don't know Chuck Brown. This kicked ass. Super happy to hear about that. Yeah, it was great. Collapser, number one from DC. Young Animal. Don't call it an imprint. Don't call it an imprint. (laughs) My favorite thing about this book, not to take anything away from the quality of it, is the fact that it's colored by Chris Peter, and I spent the entire time imagining it was colored by Peter Chris from Kiss. What is wrong with you? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Mikey Way and Sean Simon team with artist Ilyas Kiriazis and the very talented Chris Peter, as I mentioned, for a story where an anxiety-ridden nursing home aide slash DJ inherits a black hole from his dead alien mom. Sure. Like you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's more to it's it. It's like than in a box in the closet. Sure, right. <laughs> there's more to it than that, of course, but I was too distracted by the insufferable nightclub scene to pay much attention. He just needs to get through his shift, make it to the club. Spin that perfect track and lose himself in the music, man. Barf. Yeah. The art is great, and I really did enjoy the issue. I'm, I'm poking fun, but it does have a bit of that rock stars writing comics preciousness. Who's that the rock star? Mikey Way. He's Gerard Way's brother. Yep. He's in My Chemical Romance. Oh. They're, I didn't know they were both in the band. I think, yeah, yeah. No, I, I so. thought it was just his brother. Uh, it made me roll my eyes a little bit. Uh, I'm giving Collapse number one a very strong skim it because I did like it, but those parts of it are just like, oh, my God. Is your ludicrous speed round and sport is the sound of young Alejandro emptying a bucket of waste secreted by a pair of mutated flesh blobs. Ugh. As seen in the pages of Unearth number one, I read that and I still think that's gross. Yeah, remember this, the scientists? Yeah, this onomatopoeia of the week was submitted by Anno Sionis via the THN Facebook fan page. If you want to submit an onomatopoeia of the week, you can secrete it all over our social yeah, media accounts. it on us. Or shoot an email to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Maybe do that second one. Gross. Maybe do the second <laughs> one. This week in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, we're planning the biggest nerd heist in Comic-Con history. Matt. 
Forget about standing in line. We'll be astrally projecting ourselves into the unwitting bodies of Jonathan Hickman and Kurt Busiek. Oh, okay. It's an odd couple. Then we can dress up as UPS men, load our stolen UPS truck with con exclusives, and drive them back to Omaha where we set up the ultimate Comic-Con eBay store. So, don't get me wrong. I'm excited to be a part of this plan. I really am. But what do we do with Kurt and John once they get here? I mean, we like those guys. We have to kill them, right? I mean, that would really screw up the Hawks and Pox relaunch. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you might be right. Let's rethink this whole thing while we talk about our must-read picks for next Wednesday. Next Wednesday, I am excited for Valkyrie Jane Foster. That is not Jane Foster, colon, Valkyrie. Hmm, it's not. Strangely, number one from Marvel, written by Jason Aaron with art by Cafu. 32 pages for $3.99. It's all caps. I'm just playing yeah, by mean, the rules. Why does he get a name in all caps? I, here's your solicit. Jane Foster stars in an all-new ongoing series. A new hero emerges straight from the pages of The War of Realms. For years, you knew her as Dr. Jane Foster, one of Thor's steadfast companions. Then, you knew her as Thor, the goddess of thunder, and a lot of you whined about it, who took up the mantle when <laughs> no other hero, god or human, was worthy. Now, Jane takes on a new role as Valkyrie, guide and fairy woman to the dead. Yeah. But her days of punching are far from over. War of the Realms! Master Architect... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We already know this part. Look, I went on record of saying I wish Valkyrie was Valkyrie. The real... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brunhilde. Yeah, yeah. Well, not even Brunhilde. Introduce the Valkyrie from the movies. Oh, yeah, right. Go ahead and do that. Right. Because she was so great. You Tessa didn't, Thompson's You didn't think Valkyrie. it was enough that she was in Exiles? No. I want. I think this is a great place to introduce Tessa Thompson's Valkyrie, and you could borrow her. Take her straight from the pages of Exiles. Maybe they will. Regard... I don't think so. Re well, maybe... Jane Foster way. is going to be the only Valkyrie? I mean, they are a group. I don't know. Regardless, I trust Jason Aaron. I love Cafu! And I think this is going to be great. Totally. Me too. My pick for next week is House of X number one from Hawks. Marvel Comics. Hawks! Hawks! <laughs> it's written by Jonathan Hickman with art by Pepe Larraz. It's 56 pages for $5.99. That's pretty good. Yeah. Here's your solicit. Face the future! Superstar writer Jonathan Hickman. Secret Wars! Avengers! Fantastic Four! Takes the reins of the X-Men universe. Since the release of Uncanny X-Men number one, there have been four seminal moments in the history of the X-Men. Really? Just four? Just four. <laughs> Giant-sized X-Men. I swear X -Men. Marvel's told me there's been way more than that. <laughs> Giant-sized X-Men number one. X-Men number one. Age of Apocalypse. New X-Men. Four iconic series that introduced a new era for Marvel's mutants and revolutionized the X-Men. Not Age of X-Man. No. <laughs> In House of X, Charles Xavier reveals his master plan for mutant kind, one that will bring mutants out of the shadow of mankind and into the light once more. My favorite part about that solicit. Yeah. Charles Xavier. It's Xavier. You pronounce the X. I'm not I know it. the school is pronounced with, the, I won't with do a it. Z sound. I won't do it. In every interpretation of that character, TV, do movies, audiobook, whatever, it's Xavier. I won't fucking do it. Okay? I'm just happy he's back. I love Chuck. I'm happy he's back. Me too. I have no idea what the fuck's going on in this comic. Nobody does. No one does. And if yeah. you think you do, you're wrong. Yeah. Like, I read a 10-page preview that they sent out to retailers. I couldn't make sense of it. it I couldn't make heads or tails of it. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. There's a solid chance. Look, I'm just going to come out and say it. There's a solid chance we read this first issue, and we go, skim it. 
It didn't make any sense. <laughs> nah, probably not. But then you get six issues deep in true Jonathan Hickman fashion, and you go, oh, shit. Sure, right. I see what this guy's doing. Like, Wheels, East of West. Wheels within Wales. Exactly. East of West. I Like, the first couple issues was just like, what are we doing here? Yeah. And now... I simply adore that series yeah. and cannot wait yeah. for the Amazon show. So something that came out today, uh, Hickman did an interview with Entertainment Weekly, which is no longer weekly. So I guess it's just it's called EW. <laughs> uh, and he revealed that House of X is going to be about uh, the present day. You mean the Hawks. present day. Hawks. Hawks is going to be about the present day X-Men and what, uh, the stakes of what they're going through in the wake of everything that's happened. Right. Pox. And, Powers of Ten, a.k.a. Pox, is going to be about the future of the X-Men. Oh, the future of the mutants. Of so, course. I don't know. I don't know, man. Why just, tell one story when you can tell two meta stories well, in two, two different timelines? It's two different books. They intertwine, and at the end, it's all going to come together, and then they're going to relaunch the X-Men, and it's going to be great. It's got to be great. It can't be worse. I need it to be great. <laughs> I need, I, I'm with you. I need it to be great. <laughs> Let's just make a suicide pact right now. Okay. If it's not great. I will definitely kill you if Powers of X is I'll not I'll kill good. you. We'll okay. kill each other. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Mm, but well, I go first. I'll start eating you. No, I'll go first. You start eating me. <laughs> <laughs> the THN trade of the week goes to They Called Us Enemy. The graphic novel from IDW Top Shelf. It is written by George Takai and Various. I can't speak to Various, but I actually can't speak to George Takai either outside of Star Trek. It's art by Harmony Becker. Well, we also can't speak to with 192 pages. It's only 1999. Here's your solicit. George Takai has captured hearts and minds worldwide with his captivating stage presence and outspoken commitment to equal rights. Is this supposed to be George Takai? I'm trying. <laughs> but long before he braved new frontiers in Star Trek, he woke up as a four-year-old boy to find his own birth country at war with his father's and their entire family forced from their home into an uncertain future. In a stunning graphic memoir, Takai revisits his haunting childhood in American concentration camps. Not timely at all. As one of over 100,000 Japanese Americans imprisoned by the U.S. government during World War II. I just wish there was something going on in the news today that helped me relate to this story. Experience the forces that shaped an American icon and America itself in this gripping tale of courage, country, loyalty, and love. Deal with it. Oh my. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, come on. It, it, this couldn't be more relevant than it yeah. is right now. If you're not following Takai. If it had come out in World War II. Right. During World War II. I'd it be like, wouldn't okay. be this relevant. Yeah. yeah. Takai is a wonderful Twitter feed, and he has done... Literally, the man is a humanitarian. Yeah, yeah. Incredible. Yes. And he's been so outspoken and right on. And if you disagree with him, we're not friends and you can fuck off and go to whatever country you want. <laughs> right? I mean, he does post a lot of clickbait, but he does do great things. Yeah. He does I, I'm great super excited to see what this is. Rights. And I, I like, look, this is an embarrassing part of American history. And we are living through another embarrassing part of American history right back, now. When we looked back, they taught us this in school. Yes. And we're like, Jesus Christ. I didn't believe it. This happened. I did not in even America, believe it. the United States. Happening again right fucking now. And we are whether it. you agree with it or disagree with it, we will look back at this point in American society as an embarrassment. Yeah. We will. I'm embarrassed and if already. If you don't, you're on the wrong goddamn side. And I hope 
you don't fucking bump into me, okay? Okay, well. I'm excited for this. I can't wait to see what Takai does with it. I just threatened all the neo-Nazis. He certainly did, yeah. Bring it on. We certainly have many neo-Nazi listeners. I grew up fighting them, like, for a fucking hobby. (laughs) You're a regular Indiana Jones. (laughs) These are just a few of the comics hitting new shows at your local comic shop next week, but we want to hear all about the Marvel comics you're excited to read. (laughs) We picked a couple Marvel Yeah, we sure did. (laughs) Head to the THN forums and let us know what you're reading, but also tell us what you would like to hear us review on the show. Very few people do that. I know. Actually, you know who did it? Mark Tarrington from Earth 37 or whatever Earth he's from. Oh, man. Uh, he said, I, I posted I posted a joke about how we skipped two shows, in a, uh, two shows two weeks in a row and gained three new patrons in the same week. Hey. And I said, so I guess the plan is to, like, stop putting out shows completely and yeah. then retire rich. Boom. And he said, that's a great plan. Can you please review Blade Runner 2019 first? I did. And you did. I loved it. Great job. It was great. Mark, thanks you. Up your butt, Mark. <laughs> In a good way. <laughs> now, don't... In for- a pleasurable way. Here's you know a, what I mean. Here's an important note, though. Don't forget to pre-order your picks every week. It helps your retailer. Yes. It helps guarantee that you get what you want. Right. It's the right thing to do and an easy way to and do don't it. don't be afraid to massage your prostate. It feels great. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> With the news of Tom Scioli taking on a Fantastic Four Grand Design comic, we thought it would be a perfect time to revisit the origin of the FF with the help of my lovely and tipsy wife. Ladies and gentle nerds, I present to you the FF Origin Edition of Casey Explains It All! Hello. Welcome to Casey Explains It All. I'm Casey Baum. And tonight, we're going to talk about the heart of Sue, the mind of Reed, body of Johnny, and the soul of Ben, a.k.a. Casey explains the origin of the Fantastic Four. <laughs> do, 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 do. You snuck the Jurassic Park theme song in there. That's good. Always and forever. That's good. Okay, friends. Picture this. Oh, the comic I read is what Joe Patrick sent me, and it was not the 1961 version. So, disclaimer, this took place in the 2000s. Yes. We start out in a fancy New York dining scene with Sue Storm, Susie, Susan, Suzanne, who knows? Susan. Susan. Susan Storm. With her friends. Every friend, I'm just going to give you a picture this moment, like Sicily, 1932. That's a Golden Girls reference. Okay. But you're going to picture this. All of Sue Storm and her friends have negative 10 waist, at least a 22 G boob situation going right. on. <laughs> okay. Freshly injected lips and hair that does not be affected by humidity. As they sit there and discuss how one of them is engaged and how Reed will never propose to Sue, she starts to think, why do I love this man? Why? Why? What? Okay. <laughs> so anyway, that's how we start. <laughs> then we jump ahead to the science lair, which is the Baxter Tower. Building. Building. <laughs> the Baxter Building. <laughs> the Baxter Building. You said you knew this. I do. You even called it the Baxter Building earlier. I said the Baxter Building. <laughs> that's where we're at. Okay. This is where Reed has his lab, where he and his co-scientist, Alyssa mm-hmm. Moy, M-O-Y. Moy. Moy. Alyssa Moy. Who also looks like Sue Storm with glasses and brown hair. 
Same physique and everything. Like the super hottest scientist I've ever seen. Yeah, she's a very good looking scientist. And Alyssa is yelling at Reed like, you can't do this. No, have you tested it? You're not ready. And he's like very like. What is this? That's the thing. He's not like saying what it is. Oh. It's like mysterious. Okay. I had to burp. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, very mysterious. And he's like, no, it's the perfect timing. I This is my notes. I've gazed at them. He's like, I have this. I have. We have to do it now. We have to go now. We're ready. We're prepared. We're prepared. We're doing this. And she's like, no, Reed, it is too dangerous. And they don't tell you what exactly it is. But obviously, if you know anything about the Fantastic Four, and I really don't, but even I knew it was them going into space. Right. So he's kind of like an Elon Musk, but with autism. I would argue Elon Musk is kind of like an Elon Musk with autism. Okay. But I feel like they made a point to call out that Reed Richards has autism in okay. this comic In the book. story that you read, yes. Yeah. They're like, look, autism is cool. Not not necessarily cool, but acceptable. It's a thing. Well, it is acceptable. Yeah. I mean, no doubt about it. But like, they make a big point yeah. to like. We know that Reed is on. Reed is on the spectrum. Yeah, I feel like they made a bigger deal about that than they can. So anyway, then they like cut scene all of a sudden to shirtless Johnny, who has forty six abs, which I had explained to Matt Baum what that was, <laughs> <laughs> which is a Johnny's a good looking guy. Yeah, who has 46 fucking, like... He's got a lot of abs. Abs, a lot of abs. Yes. He's sleeping with Zoe, the photographer. Apparently, he's, like, fixing car, but he's, like, really, like, posing for, like, a calendar or something, playboy, girlish. And he's sleeping with her, and there's, like, a 12-year-old intern in the background, which was a little inappropriate. So this is not, whether you picked up on this or not, this is not the Jack Kirby <laughs> 1960s. This is more of the updated... Uh, this you, is what Joe Patrick sent me. Right. You read the Fantastic Four mythos. Well, that one takes place in front of Congress. This one does not. Okay. I read that one, though, too. Okay. Just so you know. All right. Anyhow, I'm reading, like, the new one that happened, like, within the 2000s. The David Marquez and Roberto Aguirre mm -hmm, Sarcasa. Mm -hmm. Yeah. See. Who uh, writes a bunch of Broadway stuff that you like. Oh, what does he write? I don't know. You have to look it up. But that's where he came from. Oh, nice. I love Broadway. Yeah. Anyway, so we meet Johnny Storm. So we're like meeting the crew, basically. Like we're getting kind of backstories on them. And so we fall into Johnny, who is grade A douche. First off, he says rock and roll. You know who says rock and roll? Guy Fieri. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> if you say rock and roll, you are basically fucking Guy Fieri. Yeah. So Johnny Fieri here is what we call him. He um, is just like, I can't, like, have sex with you tomorrow, hot photographer. I have to do family stuff, which you later learn family stuff means going into space. Right. That's foreshadowing. Right. FYI. So then we, like, flash and we get Ben Grimm's story, which Ben Grimm, uh, uh, speechless on this because there's Sweetest no- Sweetest guy in the world. Okay. So apparently he's, like, an ex-football player. Yeah. I don't know what happens there. High school, college football. Yeah. yeah, but now he's like in this boxing ring. He's like kind of like Rocky. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like the way he speaks, like my legit notes say like Ben Grimm, question mark, Newsy. Because he's like, he's like, oh, yeah, duh. Yeah, you know, we uh, 
hey, yeah, here we're gonna go uh, down to Brooklyn here, see, and uh, what we're is gonna that throw this accent? Out. This is a uh, this is That's my Conan like- O'Brien doing a new Z doing a 2020s of her Porter. Hey, here, hey, I got a story here, see. Uh, I uh, am Ben Grimm, but okay. I add a Z on everything. He doesn't sound like that. He's just he's from he's you know he's from Queens. He has so a Z talks, when there's you know? an S, and there's a lot he's of he's a New York guy, and not those, and like. Yeah. Sometimes he speaks in Hulk, like, me is hurt. No. No. <laughs> I believe, and I'm going to get to it in my notes, it says, gut never wrong. That is a quote from Ben Grimm. Okay. Any house. So that's kind of the backstory of him. And there's like this ominous, like, like uh, flashback of Sue and Reed talking to Ben going like, will you do this? Will you do this? We need you to do this. You have to be a part of the team. And they don't tell you what it is. And he's like, reluctantly is like, me gut knows. <laughs> like, no, no, no. Boy, that sure sounds like a thing. <laughs> well, me gut knows. <laughs> now he's a leprechaun <laughs> from Jamaica. <laughs> uh, but he's like, no, my gut says no, this is bad. But then Sue like bats her eyes and like, you know. Time out. He's not attractive. Uh-huh. Ah, boy. You just wait. That, that, okay, that's a portion of Fantastic Four history that we don't like to talk about. <laughs> Anyways. But yeah, so he agrees to do whatever this, like, plan is. So basically, they all come together the next day, and the plan is the four of them go on this, like, secret mission into space because there's another actual, like, um, space shuttle being launched down at Kennedy, and so Reed, like, planned this all out that they would go up into space at the same time and they wouldn't get as much attention because everyone else is focused on the legit thing. Right. And he's doing, like, this weird Elon Musk the rich. experimental one. Yeah, like, fucking yeah. Tesla, like, bullshit. Like, we're going up and being fantastic in four. So <laughs> they go up. Fantastic in four. <laughs> so anyway, they go into space and everything is, like, Going a okay, and basically Reed's whole plan is to bring Sue up there to show her the fucking Milky Way and be like, I love you. I'm not going to marry you, but I gave you space. And she's like, <laughs> I love you too. Let's clink helmets and try to kiss and not explode. Let's clink helmets. <laughs> yeah. Johnny's still being Guy Fieri yelling about Flavortown over in the side pocket sure. there. That sounds right. And then Ben is like pounding his chest like Tarzan because he doesn't speak. <laughs> so... After um, Ben, gut never wrong, Grim <laughs> says, hey, I hear something. And they hear this like, tick, 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 tick. And that says, tick, 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 tick. So I would like to ask, listen, nerds, is that an omnipot, omni, listeners, you're always- Onomatopoeia? Onomatopoeia. Okay. Is that an onomatopoeia? Yes, that would be an onomatopoeia. Yeah. That is the cosmic rays. Hitting the Fantastic Four. That is the sound of the cosmic rays hitting the Fantastic Four. But that's an omni... um, um, hmm? Yep. Yep. (laughs) I I, I wrote it as an omnipotentent. (laughs) Onomatopoeia. Yeah, I did not spell that right. Okay. But I'm glad I identified that. So, they get all this stuff and, like, all these lasers are going. So, they're inside the spaceship, which differentiates from the 1961 one where Johnny and um, Ben are outside the spaceship. The other one I read, the Mythos ones, Johnny and Ben were outside the spaceship. Yeah, okay. When this happened and Sue and Reed were inside. Yes. And this one, they're all inside. Yes. Just to like. And in the original one, they were all inside too. Oh, so confusing. But anyway, they're all inside and like, there's just like green laser beams. And actually, I thought this was really cool. Cosmic rays. Yeah, yeah. Cosmic rays. Um, I thought this was really cool. The way that panel looked, it said like four. 
and it was like Sue, and it was like three, and it was like Reed, two, Johnny, one, Ben. So like it kind of showed them starting to transform into mm-hmm. like what their Fantastic Four one. What I didn't get was like why they transformed into what they did transform into. But in the Mythos one, the um four three two one scene showed like Sue being like, I was hiding under there, trying to be invisible, like blocking it out. Reed was like, I was reaching for my girl. Ben was like, I'm angry. <laughs> gut wrong and then Johnny's like it's fucking hot outside flavor town you know like he doesn't he's a fucking idiot so I thought that was really cool so anyway they crash land after all this happens like they don't fucking remember everything like they just all of a sudden like land in New York because everything fucking happens in New York or sure. LA and so like they wake up and like Sue is the first one they show and Sue's like where is Reed? Reed, my love. If Reed is not here, if you are dead, then I die. There's nothing to live for. And it's like narrator. There was something else. Her brother. Because he was on this fucking flight, but she doesn't even like realize it. <laughs> so she's like super concerned with Reed. And so then all of a sudden, fucking elastic man. Or no, 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 no sorry. She calls him, I swear to God. Yes. Fucking rubber man. She says rubber man? Yes, because he's, like, all, like, twisted and giraffe-necked and, like, long torso and his arms around, and he's like, Sue. That's what I just meant. He sounds like when he's rubber man. <laughs> Maybe he has a different voice. He's got, like, a Jimmy Stewart thing going on. <laughs> yeah, a little shaky. Right. Sue, darling. Uh, Sue. Sue. Sue, it's me, rubber man. <laughs> and she, she was like, oh. Um. I just, you know, would not have given that nickname. Anyway, he's doing his rubber man thing. He does not seem alarmed by the fact that his body is like 400 feet long and contorting. Sue is kind of alarmed and is kind of like, ugh. Not really alarmed in the fact that his body does that, but more the alarmed that like, oh, I kind of wanted to bone you and now I don't want to bone you. For real. She admits this later. Just you wait. <laughs> I don't recall this. She doesn't say it in those words. She <laughs> okay. just says it stuff. I wanted to bone you. Now I'm not so yeah, sure. Yeah, she's like, don't touch me. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. As he gets closer and closer. And as he starts to get closer and closer to her, she starts to turn invisible and like melt because she's like so disgusted because she's petty. And she admits that later. Okay. So... All of a sudden, they're going, and they're like, oh, my God. And he's like, why? We are all here. We are doing all this. And she's like, we? Oh, my God. There was two other people besides you and I. Was for my brother and, like, Ben, ben. the newsie. Hey. <laughs> and so uh, they were like, okay, like, looking around for everyone. They hear screaming, and fucking um, Johnny is, like, a f- fucking fireball and is coming shooting at them. And he's like, oh, I'm hot. I'm hot. And she's like. Stop, drop, and roll. Stop, drop, and roll. And I was like, is she five? <laughs> like, his whole body is on fire. It's not like a fucking piece of your curtains on fire or like your shorts or something. And I was like, oh, okay. So that was her first, her first reaction. And so Johnny's like. I mean, it's not a bad reaction. I mean. <laughs> I mean, she's legit yelling, stop, drop, and roll. <laughs> So, like, all of a sudden, though, but, like, then all of a sudden, Reed's like, hey, Johnny, you're on fire. Breathe. It's not that bad. Do you feel hot? And he's like, no. And Sue's like, he's on fire. And Reed's like, but do you feel hot? And he's like, no, I just feel like I'm in Flavortown. And he breathes. And and Reed's like, do you smell anything? And Sue's like, gasoline. And she goes, oh, you're not on fire. And all of a sudden, Johnny's normal again. 
Yeah. Johnny's like, well, this is cool. Reed's like, I know. I'm really cool. Look what I can do. Giraffe necks, twist around. And Sue's like, this is really weird. Why are you all accepting of this? So everyone is like, all of a sudden, just down with their new abilities. And like, Reed is like, Sue, your head disappeared. You're invisible. And she's like, what? Okay. Side note. So now they have to look for Ben. Ben is the only one who has a realistic idea, like, idea of what's going on. Not really idea of what's going on, but like the rage inside him when he looks at himself and he is mud, stone. He's a, he's a brick man. He's a mud man. <laughs> he's not a mud man. <laughs> he is a you gotta stop brick this. house. Yes. He's made, of, he's made of orange stone. I don't know where this mud man shit came because from. <laughs> stone is not orange. Mud is orange. No. Clay is orange. Mud is not Clay orange. man. He is clay man. No. <laughs> clay is When it rains orange. and he gets wet, does he melt? No. He should. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he's like super fucking pissed. And he's like, I was really hot. And I was like, uh, you were kind of the poor man's Hulk without the green skin. So were you hot? You could barely speak sentences. No, Ben and was a good looking guy. He was, he was good. He was Ampetunia's blue eyed, ever and you know. Who speak like this. No, he. I'm gonna go in this alley here, see, and I'm gonna stab you here, see. <laughs> I'm gonna sell this newspaper here, see. You're We're gonna not carry that. carrying the banner to the news. Okay, all right. That all was right. Ben Grimm, <laughs> and now he's like fucking covered in mud, and so he's pissed off, trying to beat up like Rubber Man, and it's not working out because obviously Rubber Man is like indestructible because he's fucking rubber. Who is Rubber Man? Uh, fantastic. Reed. Reed. Reed what, Richards. And what is his code name? Mr. Fantastic. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, anyhow, fucking Alyssa. Do we remember Alyssa from the very beginning here? She comes on like we this. We can probably cut it here and be like, that is your origin. Of no. The Fantastic Four. There is more to come. But we, we're already at. You're going to have to edit the shit out of this. 17 minutes. Guess what? You're going to edit the shit out of this. So the extra is going to be Patreon. No, no, no. Here's what we do. Here's what we do. Right here. Like. But I got to tell you how they get the Fantastic Four name. Okay. All right. Let's go. Let's do that. So Alyssa comes and like rescues them in her hovercraft. And Ben's still like reluctant. Her hovercraft? Yeah. I don't know. What's it called? Fantastic Four at craft. <laughs> Fantastic craft. Fantastic. Fantastic car. Yeah. She comes in like gets them all in. Ben's reluctant. They all go. They go back to the lair and they're like. The lair being. Baxter. I'm burping. I'm sorry. Baxter building. <laughs> anyway, while they're there, Ben Grimm is like, don't look at me. Don't look at me. I am just a thing. And they're like, oh, nickname. Which, as everyone knows, you can't nickname yourself Ben Grimm, but he did. So they go there. They run around <laughs> all these tests on each other, see what they're doing. Push comes to shove. There's a mole man. There is underground animals. There's a destruction of the city. They decide they need to go save the fucking world, but they don't let Sue do it because... They hate women. No, no. They don't think women are as powerful and no, smart and strong. That never happens. Anyhow, they all. They have a lot of respect we for are, Sue. We are fast forwarding because this is too long in quotes. <laughs> okay. And they figure it out because Sue fucking talks to this mole man who is not really that bad. He just needs a pedicure, a toothbrush, and a shower. He's also a short dude. So what? That's, that's rough. I'm just saying. Speaking as a short dude, that's rough. Anyhow, he uh, decides, oh, this cute woman that I'm sensing with my blind sense is kind of pretty, and she's paying attention to me, and she likes me. I will stop all the animals. And then it's like this big thing, and so like the TV's like, who are you for? Especially you with the mud. 
And then Johnny, because he's- With the mud? Because Johnny's a fucking idiot. It's like, we're the fearless four. And then Ben's like, idiot, fearless, so many F words. What could you have said? And then it turns out they become the fantastic four. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot more involving Submarino and Sub, like- Submariner. Submariner. <laughs> Submarino. <laughs> who looks like Jason Momoa. I like Submarino though. It's very Dan Marino. <laughs> <laughs> Submarino. Oh, this issue was like four hours fucking long. I had to read forever. This has been the abbreviated version of Casey Explains It All, the origin of the Fantastic Four, after lots of wine and cocktails and Tuesday night. You're welcome. Jurassic Park, you're welcome. <laughs> do, 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 do. Don't copyright and sue. <laughs> Excelsior! Oh. <laughs> that is it for THN 537 and 538 may be live from prison if we keep threatening to kidnap creators. Joe, Patrick, before the cops get here, why don't you ask these nerds a new question of the week? Listen, I'm just kidding. The cops won't even make it yeah, through our automated machine guns. Here's the loophole. <laughs> Kidnapping, no. Astral projection, hazy law. <laughs> hazy know, laws. You know, the right lawyer could definitely pin that on us. Mm, you know, yeah. just depends. This week's question is the same question we've been sitting on since uh, June 2018 AD. Mm. 19. Since, since last month. Not last year. I know. <laughs> it was a joke. It was submitted by Ryan Hebrews Mount via the THN forums. That if, guy. Yeah. If, if you could go back in time and pick up a comic story from any point, what would you choose and how would you do things differently? This question was inspired by the upcoming Terminator Dark Fate and the recent Halloween reboot picking up from their most successful installments and ignoring everything that came afterwards. You had to ignore Halloween 3. You had to. Yeah, it doesn't have anything to do with Halloween. No, you've never seen it. Yeah, but I know that. It kicks ass. <laughs> like, I truly sure. love it. It is a bad movie. <laughs> If you're new to this show and you would rather break big rocks into little rocks at the big house than give us another listen, I assure you, it's only because you haven't heard enough of it. The good news is you can hear the entire run of THN in our digital long box archive at TwoHeadedNerd.com. But hosting that many episodes, it ain't cheap. So we want to thank donors like our brand new patron... Joe Rankly. Joe Rankly. 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 Man, he sounds like a boxer. Smoking Joe Rankly. That shirt is Rankly. Weighing in at 114 pounds, super welterweight. 114 pounds? He's a featherweight. He's a featherweight fighter. How old is he? He's a little guy. You know? 114 Wiry. pounds. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Before we go, there is so much cool stuff going on with our friends this week. That's why our giant-sized weekly shout-out goes to Carl Camarillo Burlow-Smith, who released his latest book, Moleb the Giant, this week. Jim Kettner, who just signed with a literary agent for his all-ages graphic novel project. Kevin Coffey, who keeps killing it with his various D&D side hustles. He's going to need you if he wants to continue to work for the World Herald. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> right now, he's kickstarting his Crit Dice project. And finally, one of our top 10 favorite Australians, Jimmy Randall, whose sweet wife reached out to us to ask if we could give him a shout out for his birthday. Sadly, we didn't have time, so we had to say We're no. We're out of time. I'm sorry. We'll sorry, get to you next Jim. week, Jimmy. Yeah, there's always another birthday next year. That's right. You know? That's right. 
Happy birthday, Jimmy. And word to you, nerds. I will have links in the show notes for Carl and Kevin's projects so you can throw some love their way. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might just drop his pants and sit on your birthday cake. This is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off. Happy birthday, Jimmy. I still need it. Gross! Oh, you pervert! Depends on the retailer. That is the... No! Depends on the retailer. No! No! Is he butt naked? You have a problem. Or just no pants? I said he pulls his pants down. Yeah, but people wear that underpants. That insinuates butt ass naked. Oh, butt ass naked. Yeah, yeah, on your cake. That's different. You sick.